but yet, Lord, to those people that are suffering, uh, it is, we sit here and think about it, but Lord, to experience it, uh, we can't know. Uh, Father, we may know uh, before it's all over. Uh, your people through the ages, when the church has been uh, strong in the world, there's been suffering. Mm -hmm. uh, but now the church is weak. And Lord, in my opinion, a great chastisement is going to come upon the church. And uh, most Christians will not understand because they can't know because their eyes have been covered over um, with uh, the, the flesh mm -hmm. and they just don't have contact with you and knowing you. Uh, so that they can discern between good and evil. And so, Lord, may we, uh, we are thankful for all that you've given us. We will be thankful, Lord, uh, because what you have given us cannot be taken away. Our houses may go, our, our wealth may go. Um, some of us, Lord, could, uh, could pay the price of uh, fidelity to you with our lives. So what? Yes, it would be suffering, but you would be glorified. So you want us to know, and we, we Lord, are so tempted uh, not to know that uh, this world is to be shunned. This world is to be a place where we must be in the world, but we are not of it. And Lord, we don't want any men to, to misunderstand our lives and that all would see that we are yours and we do not serve the enemy and we do not cater to men. And so, Lord, bless us with the truth tonight and have your way with this word. Give it free course that we might grow by it and we might see things, Lord, that we haven't seen before. I think we will. So uh, thank you, Father. Uh, we love you. We adore you. We uh, cling to your son. And we are empowered by your spirit. Uh, receive our prayers. Uh, even as Christ prayed for us in 1 John uh, 
chapter 7. Um, John 17. And John 17, chapter 20, or ver uh, verse 20. Uh, the, the Lord said, and the glory which thou gavest me have I given them that they may be one even as we're one. Those are meaningful words for it. Um, may it be. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so starting in Colossians uh, chapter 8, again, I'm reading uh, chapter 2, I'm sorry, verse 8. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. See to it that no one carries uh, you off or as spoil and makes you yourselves captive by the so-called philosophy, intellectualism, and vain deceit with idle fancies and plain nonsense. Make sure. And Father, uh, as we look at this, we know that uh, we have a responsibility to listen and to learn and in faith to believe that it's possible that any of us could be caught up in uh, the world and human, uh, human things. Uh, and we might say, well, Lord, uh, you didn't forbid against it. No, you didn't have to, uh, because you told us that everything that we do ought to be associated with our love for you. Uh, don't be caught up in following human tradition, men's ideas of the material rather than spiritual world. Just, just, pardon me, just crude notions following the rudimentary uh, and elemental teachings of the universe and disregard the teachings of Christ. Now, that may be. Uh, cause us to pause a moment, uh, but we need to understand that any fleshly being can understand uh, many of the things that the universe has to show us, but spiritual things we cannot know except the Spirit of God open our hearts and minds so that we will know. And so Paul told us in 1 Corinthians early on that uh, the natural man understands the things of the world. 
but he does not understand the things of Christ. And it's easy for us to get caught up in our liberty. But Paul says, don't let your liberty be a reason for your disobedience to Christ are to hurt one another. And so, what are these things? Well, as Alice pointed out to me, uh, yesterday was uh, Ash Wednesday. Uh, did you notice your president uh, who was uh, forbid by one of the Catholic priests to have communion in Louisville several years ago because of his stand on abortion. I applaud that Catholic priest. Uh, my, that may be the only time I've ever done that. Uh, but there he was, uh, not him, but uh, millions of other Americans had a dark spot on their head where the priest had made uh, the sign of the cross uh, and uh, looking it up, you know, we actually looked it up again. Uh, Ash Wednesday is a day for men to repent and it's the beginning of the Lent season. Uh, my goodness, I must uh, somewhere missed it because uh, I thought every day and every moment uh, should be a time when we can repent and continue uh, an unbroken fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, now, that's a rudiment of the world. That is an elemental teaching. And that has more in relationship to the law than, well, the fact is it has no relationship whatsoever to life in Jesus Christ. Uh, the reason we do this is that we are already complete in him. We don't need a spot. <laughs> we don't need to uh, sacrifice something until Easter uh, to show our dedication to the Lord, you know, during that time of Lent. Uh, why not? Because in him, the whole fullness of the Godhead continues to dwell in bodily form, complete, and the expression of the divine nature. That's what was in Christ. Everything that the Father was, all that the Spirit was, he also was. They are one in their attributes. Nevertheless, he goes on to say, and you are, are in him, made full 
and have come to the fullness of life. In Christ, you too are filled with the Godhead. Yeah. I mean, what is it that we are filled with when it is the Holy Spirit who is all that God is, who is the one that when Christ went to heaven, he sent back uh, to represent himself to all of us and to receive, and he is God, and it is not blasphemy, therefore, to say that in Christ, you are filled with the Godhead. I've always said this. We Christians, who really are Christians, even don't know who we are. There will come a day when all entities, angels, mm -hmm. uh, people in the Millennium Kingdom, will know that we are like Christ having his very essence in every way. And if we do, then what should our life look like in this earth? How should we spend our time? Where should we put our efforts? What kind of mind will we have? With Christ, you are filled with the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and reach full spiritual stature. We know that. We know that uh, we are to be like him in every way. Finally, in our love, love for one another, our love for the, the, the Lord God, the Father, and the, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, and he is the head of all rule and authority of every angelic of every angelic principality and power. And so the day will come when you wear that victor's crown. I don't know if we'll leave it on, but we will all receive one. Uh, and I think probably that uh, many of our crowns will just cast before Christ because we know that it was his power and his life in us that did anything that was good. 
but he is ahead. So will you have great authority. And we will refer it back always to where it came from through Christ. And it is of the Father and the Holy Spirit. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision not made with hands. Now remember that circumcision for the Jew was emblematic of the cutting away of the flesh. We don't require uh, that particular uh, exercise anymore. We don't have to do that. Uh, but we do have a circumcision and it is of the spirit. But in a spiritual circumcision performed by Christ, by stripping off the body of the flesh, think about this, the whole corrupt carnal nature with its passions and lusts. Now, my friends, when I was a younger Christian uh, and coming up, you know, even to be this age, I can look back and see so many times when the flesh wanted to rule my life. Uh, I had developed uh, ideas whereby that uh, my liberty allowed some of that and uh, that uh, the rest of it would be taken care of uh, when I met Christ. I don't think that anymore. Now is the time while you are in the flesh to examine yourselves and see what was it? See if there be any wicked way in me. Ask the question. Ask God to search your heart. Uh, the perfection that comes in a Christian life is never taking for granted that uh, you're okay and everybody else is okay. Don't take that for granted. There's very well something in you that God wants to change and you won't. I won't give that to him. I've heard Christians say that. I won't. They won't because and by the way, it's not me that they are offending. It is God who is offended. And you can take it up or I can take it up then with him. And yes, I know there's a judgment seat of rewards. Mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, the emphasis there is on rewards not upon 
giving over all that we were unwilling to give over while we were in the flesh. There is not one fleshly sin that the Lord looks over and says, oh, well, it's okay. Not one. And if you think there is, you don't realize that you're in more trouble than you were before you adapted and adopted that kind of thinking. <coughs> Pardon me. So it says here that we strip off the body of the flesh, the whole corrupt carnal nature with its passions and lusts. Paul said, don't you know that you have been baptized into his death? And if you have been planted with him in the likeness of his death, don't you know that you have been raised in the likeness of his resurrection? We only, we only need to take God at his word. Thus, you were circumcised when you were, oh, this sounds like Romans 6. When you uh, were buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him to a new life. Mm. What? And we thought about that. What's that mean? Old things are passed away. How much like the people that you know that are Christians do you find common ground with them? This should not be so. For we were circumcised. And that the whole corrupt carnal nature was uh, taken away. In other words, was I shouldn't say it was taken away. I should say it was made null and void if we want to believe that it is. Otherwise, the carnal nature will sneak up on us, it will deceive us, and we will find it calls out to us and we won't even know it. And then we're put in a position, if we are Christ, that he must level some kind of chastisement towards us. Or let us go our own way. Because once one starts and continues in that path, uh, it is, well, it is simply the grace of God that allows us to break out of it. I remember in Pilgrim's Progress, Pilgrim 
was going along his way and all of a sudden a man met him with a sturdy whip and he whipped him to with an inch of his life. You know who that man was? According to Pilgrim's Progress, that man was Christ. My dad used to punish uh, the children in such a way. And I remember saying, oh, daddy, uh, please stop. But he did it because there's an element of love in what he did. He wanted me to learn not to do evil things. Christ uh, does it perfectly. And the chastisement is often more than we would consider. So you are buried with him in baptism in which you also uh, were raised with him to a new life to your faith in the working of God. It's a work of power, I told you. You can't make it happen. It isn't your power that says, I won't be used of Satan. I won't fall into his trap. I won't give in to his temptation. That is not your power. It is God's power. And his power only works when we call out to him and say, Lord God, I put myself before you and I put my life in your hands. And this thing that you have watched happen to me, I pray that I would be made free. Oh, Lord. Stripped away. You were circumcised when you were buried with him. You were raised with him through your faith and the working of God when he raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, you weren't a Jew, or your sensuality, your sinful, carnal nature, and I might add that says to God, it's okay, God. This little thing that I want to hold close to my heart, Lord, it's okay. No, it's not okay. It's a sinful, carnal nature. God brought it to life, uh, or brought you to life together 
with Christ and having freely given us, forgiven us all of our transgressions. Now in this Bible that I have in front of me, this Amplified Bible, two things came to my mind in verse 14 and 15. And I wrote the word over chapter over verse 14 and the word over verse 15. And the word was more. The word was more. It's not a prayer, although it would be a fine prayer if I say more, more like Jesus. But this is different. It tells us that he forgave us our our transgressions. Yes, we all know that well. But then he said, having canceled out and wiped away the handwriting of the note or bond with its legal decrees, which was in force and stood against us. Hostile to us. This note, note this, note with its regulations, decrees and demands, he set aside and cleared completely out of our way by nailing it to his cross. Now, Mainly what I what we know he's talking about. Uh, yes, there are the Ten Commandments, but there are a myriad of ordinances around the Ten Commandments, little decree, legal decrees, little demands. Uh, and they were against us. They were hard uh, for us to keep. You know, I might want to pick some some firewood up on on the Sabbath day. That was punishable by death. That's not in the Ten Commandments, but that's an ordinance that the Jews went by. Thank God he has. And that's more. Do you understand? He he forgave you your sins, but he went way beyond. He did more than just forgive our sins. He made that cross a place where he nailed all the ordinances and all the little legal transgressions. And he nailed them to his cross. And this is why I am free. But I am only free to do the will of God. If it is God working in my life, causing me and bringing me to righteousness and holiness and uh, being like his son, Jesus Christ. And so I thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you nailed them all to your cross. And then again in verse 15, 
He disarmed the principalities and powers and raged against us and or pardon me, that had raged against us and made a bold display and public example of them in triumphing over them in, uh, pardon me, over them in him and in it, which is the cross. Now, to forgive us our sins, he didn't have to make us free, did he, from the power of sins and the power that works against the spirit in our life. But the Father, as Christ hung on that cross, made him sin for us. And then he took away its power so that we would not have to be under that power. And we could believe in his son. We could trust him and be free from the power of sin. I say that's more than I shall received, I shouldn't have received any of it, but it's more than having my sins forgiven. It's more than he blotted out the legal decrees, and it's more that he disarmed the principalities and powers that raged against us and made us um, uh, uh, pardon me, he made a bold display against them. He embarrassed them. He said, you think you will have power over this man after I have forgiven him of all sins? And he said, I strip you of that power. As long as he believes in Jesus Christ, you can't touch him. And that is what it is about, that Jesus Christ was made sin for us. And then what did he do? He condemned sin in the flesh. And there you are, my friends. You, if you're hearing me tonight, you're still in the flesh. But I want you to know that you don't have to walk in it because Christ became sin for us and God disempowered the sin in the flesh for those who would be in Christ and would simply believe that he had done it. My friend, you don't have to know how he did it. You don't have to understand what it took for God to disempower uh, Satan and his angels. All you have to do is believe that he did it.
he will not make you believe. And when you don't believe, it won't be because you haven't heard the word. It will be because you decided or I decided to rebel against God because rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. And it's serious. It is so serious for us to disregard the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You know, even Moses couldn't go into the promised land. Why not? Because the rock that brought forth water, which 40 years before the, that time, he had struck with his rod and water came forth. The second time, God said, the people need water. Yes, Moses, you speak now to the rock. But Moses didn't. Moses was upset. And he struck the rock twice. You know, God, my friends, whoever you think, and I think I am, I want all of us to know that God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't respect us because we're pretty. He doesn't respect us because we're smart. He doesn't respect us because we've made money. He doesn't respect us for anything. The one he respects is Jesus Christ. And even Moses paid a price for striking the rock that day, 40 years after he had struck it. Why? Why was it serious? Do you know? Have I told you? I think I have. Christ could be offered only once. This is why Hebrews gives us such admonition in our uh, rebellions and in uh, our going back to in uh, to uh, wallow in the mire in our apostasy in regard to believing in Jesus Christ. He says, "You can't sacrifice Christ." Again, he has been sacrificed once, once and for all, for our sins. And my friends, that one sacrifice is sufficient for all the blessings of God spiritually and all the other blessings that you may get from him. Therefore, let no one set in judgment on you 
in matters of food or drink. Now he's talking about our liberty. Yes, we have liberty. Uh, we are not to declare one day more special than another. Uh, we do not allow one to set up uh, to tell us uh, what foods are clean and what foods are not clean. What days are holy? When he talks about here in regard to feast days, the new moons are the Sabbaths. And my friends, I don't refer to the day that we meet together to worship Jesus Christ the Sabbath. Sabbath day was another thing altogether. Such things are only the shadow of things that are to come. And they are only of symbolic value. But the reality, the substance, the solid fact of what is foreshadowed, the body of it belongs to Christ. All of it. Let no one defraud you by acting as an umpire and declaring you unworthy and disqualifying you for the prize insisting and there's what will happen they will insist on self-abasement that reminds me of lent and that also reminds me of uh, the uh that's wednesday uh don't let anybody defraud you with such uh, rules uh, whereby if you didn't do it, you would be the lesser. Now, if you want to put ash on your head and uh, you want to give something up, that's fine. But the only sacrifices to God are broken and a contrite heart. And those he will not despise. That's a direct quote, I believe, from Psalm 51. They will insist on self-abasement, worship of angels. That would take care of all the Mormons and lots of other people that uh, give them a place they should not have. <laughs> this one I love. And the claims, pardon me, taking a stand on visions, the claims that he is saying. I tell you, it's every day on YouTube, I come across one of these self-proclaimed prophets that has a vision that saw heaven or he saw uh, what life after death was like or he saw the future. Well, 
uh, he insists that it's right. He says, I've seen it. Mm-hmm. He's vainly puffed up by his sensuous, got the word? That's what Satan wants to do to the whole church today is make it sensuous. Sensuous notions and inflated by his unspiritual thoughts and fleshly conceit and not holding fast to the head whom the whole body supplied and knit together by means of its joints and ligaments grows with the growth that is from God. Sounds like Ephesians 4, doesn't it? Mm. If then you have died, there's an if. I always always watch the ifs in scripture. If then you had died with Christ to material ways of looking at things and have escaped the world's crude and elemental notions and teachings of externalism, why would you live as if you still belong to the world? You can do it, but you will only live so long and all of it will be taken from you. More than that, I don't know what else you might lose. Why do you submit to rules and regulations? Reminds us of so many of our churches have all kinds of rules and regulations. When all we have to do is rely upon that life of God that is ours, that is in us, that has nothing held back from us. And we have it available through faith. Do not handle this. Do not taste that. Do not even touch them. We're referring to many things that the Jews uh, had uh, uh, that said that you could not do. Referring to things all of which perish with being used to do this is to follow human precepts and doctrines. Mm -hmm. Friends, those who are aware and those who 
press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. Follow after everything that he had shown them. Showing them that all the things in the earth are to perish with the using. Do you think that men in hell are going to remember with comfort the glory days? That would get really old. As far as a matter of comfort, after millions of years being locked in that place, I don't think the fact that we satisfied the flesh or moment will be any consolation to us. Such practices have indeed the outward appearance that popularly passes for wisdom. The wisdom might be, well, I'm free in Christ. Yes, I'm free in Christ to live apart from who I used to be. I'm free in Christ to live apart from sin. I'm free in Christ not to be carnal. I'm free in Christ to love my brother but I'm not free to live after the world. Such practices have indeed the outward appearance and popularly passes for wisdom and promoting self-imposed rigor or devotion and the light and self-humiliation. Uh, you can, you know some people like this uh, who delight in self-humiliation and severity of discipline of the body. You remember that the old monks and some of them used to beat themselves with whips. Punishing of the body but they are of no value in checking the indulgence of the flesh. The lower nature. Instead, they do not honor God, but serve only to indulge the flesh. My friends, my flesh would readily take over my entire life. And if I decide to allow one part of it to reign, it won't be long until I will decide for some other thing that I will pay attention to. That's the way it works. Go to Romans chapter one 
and read what happens when we disobey the Holy Spirit. You will find it said several places there that since they insisted on going ahead with their, with their unholiness and unrighteousness, what God gave them up. I say to you that when we give in to something in the world, there uh, is two directions we may go. We may call out the God to be set free. Or we will continue on and find even greater bondages that are set in our path. Because in the Christian walk, we are either moving towards Christ or we're moving towards ourselves. And there is no such thing as standing still. And so these are the words of Paul. I didn't write them. If you don't like what they say, just criticize me. That'll get you off the hook. But only for a time. Because these are eternal words. These are the words that are the life of Jesus Christ. Father, um, yes, Father, as I pray tonight, Lord, I pray for each one of us because, Lord, we're all the same. I have, I have seen the deception of sin. I have been in places where the bondage was so thick you could cut it with a knife. But Lord, as I call out to you, for all that I know right this moment, you will set me free. And if there is more to be revealed, I welcome it. No matter how disturbing to the flesh it is, Lord God, let Jesus live in me. I know that as I believe, you will not fail. For you are powerful. You are loving and forgiving. You are full of mercy. Yes. And you will honor to the nth degree the sacrifice of your son. 
So we lay our souls in front of you anew. And we pray, Lord God, to continue until that day that we meet him face to face. And Lord God, that day for all of us will be so. If it's, a, if it's 50 years, Lord, it's so. If it's 70 years, it's so. And if it's five days or five minutes, it's so. Deal with us, Lord, according to thy mercy. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.